just uh, show our appreciation to all those who have led us this morning and let them know how thankful we are for them. Amen. Well, it's, uh, it's my great joy to uh, step into this season of Advent, and, uh, and as always, uh, Pastor BJ is very gracious and uh, allowing me uh, opportunities uh, to preach, and I don't take that lightly, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, I also want to welcome, uh, if you haven't uh, seen them yet, his mom and dad are with us, Pastor Rod and Mary Thelander. Welcome. We are so glad you're here today. Always good to, to worship uh, with them. Uh, there, are, uh, I, my uh, assignment this this Sunday was, is to preach on joy, and I have a lot to be joyful for. Uh, uh, and the truth is, every single person in this room has a lot to be joyful for. You may not fully appreciate it or recognize it right at this moment. It may not feel that way. You may open these mortal eyes and not actually see it, but you have great reason to rejoice. And if uh, the Lord allows me, hopefully by the time we finish this morning, you will have a clearer understanding of why you ought to be and can be every day, every moment, a person of joy. Let's just stop for a moment and uh, practice something together. Think with me of somebody you know, you've met them, you perhaps live with them, you, maybe you work with them, they are just the epitome of joy. Maybe to the point that there have been times it's aggravated you. <laughs> My goodness, does nothing get them down? Does nothing upset them? Does nothing bother them or shake them? They just, all the time they're on. All the time they've got a smile. All the time they're filled with joy. Anybody come to mind? And here's the thing I'm, I'm convinced of. That can be genuine in every person's life. It really can be. Uh, we sometimes derail it in our own life because we accept notions like, well, I'm just not that kind of person. There is so much when it comes to the gifts of God in our life that we miss at that one place. I'm just not that kind of person. Can I let you in on something? If you are crucified with Christ and He puts His nature within you, you become who He desires for you to be and who He created you to be and wants you to be. There, there are lots of events this time of year that get associated with, uh, with joy. And here in our church, we've, uh, we've experienced Many of those, and will continue to throughout the holiday season, the arrival of new members to families, little ones that are among us today that, that weren't at the beginning of the church year or of the calendar year. Uh, there are those who have celebrated great milestones just uh, in the past couple of days. Uh, Mackenzie James Borrowman has completed her graduate doctorate in physical therapy, and we celebrate that with her, a great accomplishment, I think about seven years in the making, so, so we praise the Lord for her. Yes, sure. Uh, not to be outdone, her sister Macy has made the dean's list as well, and, and just uh, keeping up, you know, and, and she'll be finishing student teaching, and uh, looking forward to graduation from Olivet, and many of you have contributed in one way or another to uh, her being able to do that. You might have heard we prayed especially uh, last Sunday for Brother Hal Perkins. On Wednesday, his wife said, if you haven't seen the post, these were her words. On Wednesday, I expected to become a widow. He's home rejoicing and giving praise to God for how he has touched him. And he has a long road to recovery, but he has made a remarkable turn that can only be explained through the miraculous hand of the Lord, and we praise God for that. Brian Douglas, another one who has seen some uh, improvement and recovery that perhaps was uh, not expected, and we praise God for that, and we thank God for His touch upon him. Many of you have been praying. Many of you prayed for Leah, and, 
And uh, she is here today, and we praise the Lord for that. Not too many of us do brain surgery on Tuesday and church on Sunday. And uh, so we just rejoice in that. Uh, many of our farmers, agriculture is a big deal around here and, and a safe and successful harvest for so many. We praise the Lord for that. That, that tends to come every year and we just kind of almost can pass it by. But there is so much that plays into that. We praise the Lord for that. Thanksgiving times and, and Christmas times that we can rejoice and celebrate in. There is a lot, a lot of reason to rejoice and yet, for some reason, it seems a little different this year, doesn't it? If ever we've needed a Christmas season, it certainly must be the year 2020. If ever we've needed to be drawn back to a stable and a manger in Bethlehem and be reminded that there is great reason for rejoicing, it's this year. The text this morning is Luke chapter 2. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles there. A very familiar uh, text at this time of year. The Christmas story is contained there. But I just want to draw our attention to a couple of verses. Those of you who know your Bibles well are probably already reciting this in your, in your minds. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. That's a pretty good sermon right there, isn't it? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Everybody say great joy. Great joy. News that will cause great joy for all people. Why? Why would he say that to us? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. That's why. I might be getting ahead of myself here a little bit, but sometimes it's just as important to see what Scripture doesn't say as it is to see what it does say. It doesn't say there's great cause of rejoicing because finally all your situations have worked out perfectly. It doesn't say there's great cause for rejoicing because all your dreams have finally come true. Because your financial house is finally in order. Because the relationships are all figured out. Because every sickness and disease has been removed. It doesn't say that's why we have great cause for rejoicing. And I'll be the first to admit, there's great temptation to forget that. There's great temptation to look inward at the conditions and the circumstances of my life and say, but God, or why God? And he always points me back to a manger in Bethlehem and to a cross at Calvary and to an empty tomb that says, this is why. This is why you should rejoice. Because Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the long-awaited, promised one. He is the Lord, and He is now in your midst. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that long ago a plan was put into place, and we are the beneficiaries today of seeing the birth of the Savior, knowing the story and as we continue to celebrate this year, oh God, help us to see far past all of the trappings of Christmas, as, as good and as joyous as many of them are, and help us to focus on the one true and sustaining reason why all of us should say joy to the world, because you, our Savior, have been born. We praise you and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Joy carries with it several different meanings. Uh, if you do the background work, you find that there are synonyms like delight, exhilaration, rejoicing, glee. I don't use the word glee very often, but uh, that's one of them. Gladness. But think about that. Delight and exhilaration. Listen to what... Uh, the Bible says about joy. Just a few 
places where joy is called out. The psalmist, of course, mentions joy a lot. Psalm 16, 11, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Praise His name. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 55 verse 12 said, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Wouldn't that be a sight? I was sitting in a tree stand one time and I was pretty sure that was going on. A heavy wind kicked up. I could hear the trees clapping their hands and threatening to throw me to the ground. But we made it. Again, the psalmist writes in chapter 30, verse 5, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may endure for the night. You know it, don't you? But joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. I've looked into some faces that need that morning. That need that morning to come. They're looking for it. They're longing for it. Hold on. It's coming. As sure as Jesus was born. As sure as he rose from the grave. As sure as the sun comes up. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. There are many, many more uh, passages of scripture we could refer to this morning about joy. But what the scriptures teach us and, and, and try to unpacked for us about joy looks something like this, if you'll allow me to paraphrase it. Joy is all about the presence of God. Many, many times in Scripture it's tied to joy in the presence of God. And thankfully we know and we have learned uh, in a more pointed way this, this year that joy and the presence of God are experienced far beyond these walls. Many of us have had to redefine and understand what does it mean to be the people of God and what does it mean to worship and celebrate when these, these places that we are so used to coming to, these sanctuaries aren't as available or aren't as open as they typically would be. What does it mean to still be the people of God in those times? Joy in the presence of God. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, the Bible teaches us. You ought to be very thankful for that. It means that you don't have to produce it. It means that you don't have to dig a little deeper within yourself and try to be a joy-filled person. That's not what we're called to be. We're called to be filled with the Spirit so that the, the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit living in us, produces joy. Joy is the attitude of the Christian. This is one that gets a little tougher. The attitude of the Christian who suffers for Christ. Many times we see in Scripture those who, who, who were afflicted or imprisoned or oppressed in one way or another for the cause of Christ responded by rejoicing. Probably chief among those that comes to most of our minds most immediately in Scripture, Paul and Silas, chained in a dungeon. No reason to sing, and yet they rejoice. The disciples, on more than one occasion, will count themselves blessed to be even worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. How much more I need to grow in my personal relationship with the Lord, in my love for Him, and my, my desire to lay everything at His feet and say, Lord, I'll, I'll rejoice even in suffering for You. There's joy in righteousness and fellowship of the saints. And that's been tested in these days, hasn't it? Getting to be together. We've just, we probably value that in ways that we never had before. We just sit here right now this morning and say, I don't know if I had appreciated what a gift this really is. But I sure do now. And there's joy because there are still ways that we can be 
together. Joy because we have hope. We have hope in Christ and joy that is not yet but one day will be complete. We're leaning into it. We're living into it. It's coming. You think you've had moments of joy now. Hold on. One day the trump will sound. One day the Lord will return and you will experience joy. You'll look back and say, I I thought I knew, but I did not even understand what joy really was. It's coming. Joy because Christmas means that nothing is too hard for God. If we could roll back the, the history to just before Jesus' arrival and take a poll and say, if, if God was going to choose to save the world, if God was going to choose to redeem the world, to end the oppression, to, to do away with all that is challenging us and coming against us as the people of God, how do you think he might go about it? There'd probably be a lot of things that would get put on the list, but I guarantee you nobody would say, I think he'll just have a little baby be born in Bethlehem. And I think he'll just carry it out that way. Nobody would have predicted that. In fact, it, it brings us to our need. Uh, you have some places there in your bulletin to take some notes if you'd like. I just gave you uh, three headings that you can kind of... Uh, I really want you to just put in there what you feel like uh, the Lord is speaking to you, what stands out to you. Uh, If it's something I say, that's great. But long ago I learned that when I'm up here doing what I'm doing, by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is preaching much more effectively to your hearts and your minds. So uh, it may be something you hear me say, it most likely will not be. But write it down, it helps. At least it helps me to write things down. Why, Why do we have a need when it comes to joy? Well, maybe most of you would say, I could sure use some more joy. I I could sure be a more joyful person. Most of us would probably consider ourselves in that group. Uh, But here's one of the greatest reasons I think we need joy that has been borne out in our lives and in our reality over this last year especially. We need joy in the face of fear. We need joy in the face of fear. Fear is all around us. And it's, it's not that it, it hasn't always been. Because the truth is, fear was all around in Jesus' day too. In fact, while we, while we may know these days and say, boy, yeah, there's a lot of fear out there and, there, and there's all kinds of things that are going on in our world and, and all kinds of potential things going on, on the scene in the coming year, and, and there's great reason for fear. When you really look back, it, it kind of pales in comparison to the fear that had gripped the world at Jesus' birth. Herod the Great, for instance, a powerful man and a ruthless man, bent on destroying. He had even assassinated family members who even posed a threat, but before they even did anything, just because they posed a threat or just because he got the idea that that maybe they might decide to somehow turn around and take authority or power from me, he would just assassinate them, just eliminate them. And we know that he he will become in the story of Jesus the author of, of one of, the mo- one of the most horrible and horrific things that ever happened on the face of the earth when he orders that every child, every male born under the age of two will be killed in order to try and get to this one who is to be born, this king of the Jews. That would be bad enough, but then you have the Romans who rule all of the known world at the time. And they are ruthlessly holding on to power and will, and will do whatever it takes, exercise any authority that is needed, any weapon of war, any matter. There's no democratic process in any of this. If anyone threatens an uprising, if anyone threatens the throne or threatens Caesar, they are dealt with swiftly and cruelly and harshly. There is no debate. 
There is no court trial to oppose one side or the other. It is swift and it is vicious and it is literally felt worldwide. People were, as the Bible says, walking in darkness. Famine was in the land. And no hope of medical intervention like we have today. Not even thought of. All kinds of things were oppressing them. It was fear. And they had great reason for it. But there's fear very much still alive today. While we were uh, at the hospital, not this time with uh, Leah, the, the beginning of this week, but back in August, uh, I uh, went out to, to the car to get something. And on the way back in, there was a, a, a gentleman sitting in the lobby there at the hospital. And I'm, those of you who know me know that I'm just apt to do this kind of thing. Most of you would not probably say, yeah, I'll just go there and sit down and have that conversation with that guy. But I will. Um, I just saw him, and he probably, truth be told, he probably did not want me to come over and have a conversation with him. I, d- I didn't get that from him. I didn't get a, you know, a wink or a nod or a, hey, you know, none of that. I think he probably felt more like a victim. Oh, no, he saw me. Something, something along those lines. But I went over to him, and we talked for a few minutes. I was just, I was just curious. What's your story? What's... Uh, why are you here? What's going on? I know that that's probably intrusive. None, it's none of my business. I, I, I agree. But then again, maybe it is my business. As a Christian, I'm supposed to care for every person. It's supposed to matter to me what you're going through. What, not, not, not in a nosy sense, but I care about you. Is there is there some way I can help you? What's... We talked. And uh, this was the phrase, this was the statement that he uttered. He, we went through, both of us had children in the hospital. Both of us had a story about uh, children who'd been sick and things they were going through and why we were at the hospital. We talked about all that. But this is the phrase that he, that he uttered that caught my attention. After the year we've been through, joy seems pretty unlikely. Can you relate? After the year we've been through, joy seems pretty unlikely. So that's our need. We need to see the story of Jesus' birth, not for its beauty and its sweetness, but for its purpose and its power. The reason behind the story. I, I look forward to Christmas every year because I know this is going to happen. And the beautiful songs are going to be sung. And, and gatherings are hopefully, you know, this year that's a, there's a question mark on that. But, but I, I look forward to all those things. I love all the, the trappings of Christmas. There's just a beauty to it and a sweetness about it. And people generally are kinder to one another. Even in our culture, there's a sense of, you know, it's the time of year. Not everybody, but most. But there's a purpose behind it all and a power behind it all that often gets missed. And that's what, if the church has any function throughout the Christmas season, it ought to be that. Help us not to miss the purpose for why He came. And the power behind what it means that He came, that He lived, that He died, that He rose again, that He's coming back. We need to remember that God has accomplished great and mighty things in the most unlikely ways. There was nothing likely about Jesus being born in a manger in Bethlehem. The Messiah, the chosen one, the promised one, it was very unlikely. If he came into the world in this point in history, it was very unlikely that that's how it would happen. Nobody expected it that way. And there are lots of other things in Scripture that happen that if I, if I told you them and you didn't know the story, it would seem very unlikely. Like that gentleman there at the hospital, I shared a, a story with him from the Bible and I could immediately tell he thought I was off my rocker. Parting the Red Sea so that somewhere in the neighborhood of three million people can walk across on dry ground. Pretty unlikely. 
The madness of the prophet Balaam restrained by a dumb donkey that can talk. Pretty unlikely. Jared, you ever had a donkey talk? Anybody else that owned donkeys? Have they? Not that you talk to them. I mean, they talk back to you. The defeat of uh, Jericho by simply marching and shouting and blowing trumpets. Pretty unlikely. The defeat of the giant Goliath with a small shepherd boy and a few stones. Pretty unlikely. Lazarus rising from the grave after being dead for four days with just a shout. Just a call. I, I heard it this week. This is a side note, but I thought it was so good. An evangelist of old, he said, I don't give up on anybody until they've been dead at least four days. Isn't that good? <laughs> the feeding of 5,000 with five barley loaves, two fish, a small boy's lunch. Five, at least 5,000, maybe, maybe more. That's pretty unlikely, don't you think? Pretty crazy that that could happen. Here's, here's one. You'll never believe this. The salvation of every single man, woman, boy, and girl who ever lived, ever has lived, ever will live through a little baby born in Bethlehem. Isn't that crazy? That's unlikely. That doesn't, right? So you tell me, what's your unlikely? What's your unlikely? Because I, 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 I'm going to take a, a guess here. Those things that are unlikely in your life are probably stealing some joy out of your life. There's a need for this, but it's unlikely. And there's something in us that grieves over that. It's unlikely. It's unlikely. But in the face of Scripture, it's absolutely possible. It's absolutely likely. So we have a great need, right? But here's God's answer. Let's get to the good stuff. The prophet Isaiah declares... That a child will be born. He, he declares in chapter 9 that, that he will be mighty to save. And, and he says, the Lord will do this. There, there, there's a good key for most all of us, in the, for everyone in the room. How, how do we have joy? How do we be a people of joy? How do we get our unlikelies taken? How do those things even happen? The Lord will do this. And we need that again. We need to be reminded of that because far too many of us are, are, are waiting for a Savior for the circumstances of our life right now. It's never going to materialize from Washington. It's never going to materialize from Wall Street. It's never going to materialize in those areas that man tends to look at. How will it happen? The Lord will do this. How will we as a church move forward in these days? The Lord will do this. How will we accomplish the things that we're tempted to say, we better wait, we better hold off, we better not do that, we don't know what the future holds. How will it even be done? The Lord will do this. How will that healing take place that you never thought could happen? How will that loved one come to know Jesus when they've seemed so hard and cold over the years? The Lord will do this. How will you get beyond, well, that's how I'm made and that's how I'm wired and that's what I'm dealing with now and, and that's where I'm at and it's unlikely that it's going to change. I've worked at it. I've tried. How will it happen? The Lord yes. will do this. And He will come to you. That's the, the beauty of Christmas. Not that we celebrate that He came but that His promise is that He will come to you right where you are. You could in fact call yourself Bethlehem. Unto you is born this day. Read it again sometime. And every time you hear it over the Christmas season, if you read the Christmas story from Luke on Christmas morning, when you get to that part, unto you is born, put names in there. Put your name in there. Put your family member's name in there. Put that lost child or mother or father or whoever it is. Put their name in there. 
Unto you is born a Savior. A Savior. Anticipate. This is where we, we rise up in our faith. Expect the unexpected. Get used to as the people of God saying, that's not how I would have done it. I couldn't tell you the number of times over the years as a pastor, I have watched things unfold in the life of congregations and said, God, that's not at all how I would have done it. I had a whole different plan. I had a whole different expectation. But look what you have done. Why? The Lord did it. Rejoice when you see His mighty hand at work. I love that uh, Hal Perkins, and uh, speaking on the Facebook post there, he said, uh, I'm sure we've got a long recovery ahead, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to go ahead and start praising the Lord. To go ahead and start giving Him glory and praise for what He's done already. Start right where you're at. You've got so much to be thankful for. I've reminded us of this before, but it's good to come back to and visit. Have you had at least one time in your life where you can look back and say, in that moment, in that place, in that time, I would have said to you, I don't know how we get through this. I don't know how we make it. I don't know how we step beyond this and get to a tomorrow. Here you are. Here you are. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad because what you thought was impossible and what you thought was unlikely, the Lord did this. That's God's answer for us. There is born to you a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Paul writes in Romans, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we have repented of our sins and experienced the amazing forgiveness that comes from God, to know that the slate has been wiped clean and we are now walking in newness of life and we are filled with His Holy Spirit, there is joy. And you'll notice it, the transformation is happening because others around you will notice it. Perhaps it's unfair, but when someone tells me they've come to know the Lord as Savior, when someone tells me they've entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I get very curious about how is life different now for you than it was before. Let's talk about how He has transformed your life. And I get very concerned if there's not much difference. I get very concerned if all we can talk about is, well, I used to not go to church and now I attend pretty regularly. I'm afraid that falls quite a bit short of what Jesus came into this world and died on a cross and rose from the grave to do in your heart and mine, in your life and mine forever. I'm absolutely convinced He did not die on a cross and rise from the grave and promise to come again just so that I'd be a better church attender. But I am convinced love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that's the work of the Spirit in you and me. I'm convinced that He wants to do that. Here's the beautiful thing. We may feel challenged or condemned right in this very moment, but, but rejoice because He wants to say to you, I want that in you and I will give that to you. His gift to you. What a wonderful Christmas gift. How amazing would it be if you could look back at Christmas 2020 and say, you know what? That was a crazy year. That was a hard year. That was a painful year. That was a difficult year. And we did the best we could to try to get through Christmas and Thanksgiving. But you know what? The most amazing thing was that I received the greatest gift in all the world. I received forgiveness when I thought it wasn't possible. I received 
being filled with the Holy Spirit when I had only just battled and warred within myself all the time and just tried to accomplish everything in my own strength. I began to walk in newness of life through Christ our Lord. That is a great Christmas. There is great rejoicing and reason for that. The, the angels declared in Luke chapter 1 to, the, to, to uh, the shepherds, there is a Savior that has been born. He is Christ. He is, he is the Lord. He found them out in a field just watching over their sheep. He'll come to you. He'll find you where you are. For you see, in the person of Jesus, we find a, a salvation that is greater than our sin. A promise that is sufficient for our every need and an answer for all of our troubles. We really do. I can testify to you that His grace, His presence, His power, His mercy has been so real and so faithful. I know these have been hard days. I know this has been a difficult year. But I can testify to you, I have seen God at work in ways I have never seen in my lifetime. I have seen people hungering for Him and thirsting after Him in ways that they never had before. And I praise the Lord for that. Isn't it just like the Lord to say what, what the enemy meant for your harm and your destruction and for evil? What the, what the enemy tried to do in 2020, I turned it around for good. My church was revived. People were saved. People were healed. People were brought into the kingdom. What the enemy meant for evil, I turned into good. That's just like him, isn't it? So how should we respond? Well, we need to be a people that proclaim by faith the, the truth and the confidence, just like Isaiah did, even long before the promises fulfilled. That's one of the most amazing things to me. Isaiah makes his great declarations hundreds of years before the promise is fulfilled. Are you declaring a promise before it's fulfilled? Are, are, are you believing by faith that God is going to do in your life what you need and what He desires before it even happens? Maybe hundreds of years before it happens? That's a tall order, isn't it? We must find our joy. This is a big one. If you don't write anything else down, write this down. We must find our joy in Christ alone and truly see that He is enough. We sing it, don't we? In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my all. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. Can we live it? Can we live it? We must follow the pattern of Mary. Mary pondered and held the story of Jesus and His birth in her heart until the hope of the world became the source of her joy. The shepherds glorified and praised God in the midst of darkness all around them. Darkness that shrouded the whole world. How are you responding to Christmas this year, to, to the giving of Christ? For I can tell you this, if you don't know Him as Savior and Lord, if you have not experienced His forgiveness of your sins, His washing you clean, of His filling you with His Spirit, there will never be enough presence under the tree. You'll open every present You'll order something from Amazon 15 times a day and still feel like you're missing something. He is the gift. He is the reason. He's the source of our joy. And you can go out of here celebrating Christmas in the midst of everything that's happened in our world for this one reason. I have a Savior. His name is Jesus. He has overcome everything that could ever come against me. Death and the grave and myself. Aren't we often our own worst enemy? <laughs> he has overcome all of that. And He invites us. He invites you and me. Here's the gift. Come and receive 
Come and take it. In just a moment, we're going to enjoy communion together as we have every Sunday of Advent. And I hope you received your communion elements. If you didn't, please feel free to slip back out to the table there in the foyer and, uh, and get those for yourself so that we can all enjoy it together. But what does it mean to have communion with joy? I, I know that I've always been taught, and I, and I did it this way, I, I, was, I was raised, kind of conditioned through the church. Boy, a lot of you missed it, didn't I? Um, my family, we're so big, we don't miss meals. If there's food out anywhere, we get it. I, mean, we just... <laughs> um, I was conditioned and raised that, uh, in a beautiful way that communion was always very sacred, very solemn. And it is. I'm not trying to take away from that at all. But I don't think that uh, God intends for us to just simply be solemn and ho-hum, just about everything. I think He expected those who recognized what was happening in Bethlehem that night, and there were just a few, but those who recognized it and those who would come to understand it through the years, I think He absolutely expected them, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Rejoice! Rejoice. How long do you think God must have, have, have wrestled with the decision? I'm getting into some sketchy theology here now, guys, I know. But how long do you, do you imagine he might have said, not quite yet. Tonight. Okay, tonight's the night. Tonight's, how, how long do you think he wrestled with knowing the Savior of the world is going to be given? Not, wait, Isaiah, thank you. Thank you, Isaiah. Appreciate you proclaiming it. Let's give it a couple of hundred years or three or four or five or six. Tonight. Tonight. When you go through life, you feel like you're in those waiting years, don't you? How long, Lord? How long? He wants to say, tonight. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. By faith, if you'll trust me that I am the God of the unlikely... I am the God who does things that you would say and man would say, no, that's unlikely. It's unlikely that'll ever happen. Not that way. He'd never do that. He is the God who says, I will come to you. I will make myself known to you and I will provide a Savior for you. He is Christ the Lord. And you, you will not only know it, but you will rejoice in it. And you can rejoice in it. So... The great faith question for us right before we take this sacrament is this. Can you do this with joy? Here's how it happened for me. It's one thing to know that I should have joy because of Christ. It's another thing to be filled with Christ, to be filled with His presence, to be filled with His Spirit in such a way that it truly comes up out of me and says, I have joy and sometimes I don't even understand it. (laughs) I have hope and I have confidence and I have assurance and sometimes I'm amazed by it. When that began to happen in my life, Brother Rod, I truly knew, God, you are the Lord, right? The Lord is doing this. Because all this stuff says, no, don't rejoice. No, don't have, you don't have anything to rejoice or be glad about. But I do, and we're reminded of it when we come to this table. It may seem kind of odd that we think about suffering and death at Christmas time, but really it's the most fitting thing in all the world because Christmas only gains its significance when we see that Jesus was faithful to the mission that God gave him, when we see that he grew up grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man when we see that he set his face toward Jerusalem and he went and he was obedient even unto death, a death on a cross. When we see that he was laid in a borrowed tomb and on the third day he rose again. When we see that he was seen by his disciples and he declared to them, I will come again just as you see me go, I will return Be faithful until I come. When we see Him fulfill all of that, then Christmas means everything. And so, we are reminded.
that Jesus, approaching the end of his earthly life, met with his disciples to have a meal with them. He didn't eat this particular meal. And and I don't know exactly why he didn't do that, except that I think he really did want them to understand, I am the bread. I am the cup. Don't miss it, guys. It's not about an earthly meal. I am the Savior. The Scriptures tell us that it was the night that he was betrayed. There's an image for us. Can you still fellowship and still have a meal and still celebrate? Salvation has come even when one who should have been as loyal as anybody has betrayed you. Rejoice. Rejoice. Jesus said, the bread is my body broken for you. Put your name in there. Broken for you. When you eat this, do this in remembrance of me and be grateful. After dinner, he took the cup. (laughs) This is a whole new communion sound. Isn't that neat? (laughs) He took the cup and then They didn't understand it at the time, but he wanted them to know this cup represents my blood. In in a little while, you're going to watch. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to shed my blood for you. Why? Because what you need, you can't do for yourself. But I will lay my life down for you. Why Why do I rejoice? Why do any of us rejoice? Because when I was helpless and alone and broken... And afraid, he did what I could not do. He did what I did not deserve. And he did it freely. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to wrap my heart around it completely. But I'm grateful he doesn't even call me to do that. He just simply calls me to accept it, believe it, receive it. It's yours. Rejoice because his blood was shed for you. You may drink. Father in heaven, you have displayed your love for us in more ways than we can count. And I'm grateful today that you invite us to receive the joy that only you can give. Some of us may even still be challenged to think to ourselves, I can almost hear some of us thinking it. Yeah, but you don't know the depths of what I've gone through. You don't know the pain and the hurt and the struggle just in this year. And you're right, I don't. But he does. 2,000 years ago, he saw a world dark and hurting and lonely. And he came to them. And a new star shone in the heavens. And angels declared. and Shepherds rejoiced. And wise men came to bring gifts. And Mary pondered all of this in her heart. And we are invited. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For today is born to you in the city of David a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. Father, thank you that we can truly... Truly have joy. Truly be glad. Not in our circumstances. Not in the things that that, that tend to, to gather our attention so much. But in the knowledge and the faith and the hope that you have come. You are our Savior. And you will see us home to heaven one of these days. We will rejoice around the throne with all those who have heard these stories before and believed and been faithful And trusted you. Lord I pray in this very moment. Someone may be here. That knows that something needs to change. They don't have this joy. It's it's hard. It was enough just to get dressed and get to church this morning. But to have joy. To delight. 
to be happy, to celebrate even in the midst of suffering. And they need a special touch from you this morning. If that's you, I just want you to acknowledge that to the Lord. However He leads you to do that. Maybe it's an altar. Maybe it's a lifted hand. Maybe it's just acknowledging for the very first time in yourself, I need this Savior who came to come to me. I want to have joy. I want to be exceedingly glad. And I want to have a real reason for it in spite of all of my circumstances. He's inviting you today. Father, in this moment, I know that you hear our prayers. I know that you see us. I know that you know everything that we've gone through. Nothing is hidden from you. There are no secrets kept from you. And I'm grateful today that as you have done in my life and as you continue to be the source of, you bring joy and you bring peace and you bring hope to each of our lives and you will put that in us like a well that never runs dry as we trust in you today. Help us to be a people that rejoice in you today, we pray in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? You know, I kind of like to do this. And Suzanne, if you uh, might want to accompany us, let's just sing it. Joy to the world. Can we do that before we go? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Let's do it one more time. I'm almost convinced you believe it. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Sing it out. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Well, may you know the joy of Christmas and may the Lord bless you as you go today. 6.30 for the live nativity tonight. God bless you.